Welcome to the Tom Bernard Podcast with the family, with co-host Catherine Brandt and Andy Brandt Bernard. See, it's all you need to know. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Doug, how are things going at Burnsville and Coon Rapids Nissan? Well, we're in first and second place for the year in Minnesota. That's pretty impressive. What do you think the secret is? Well, clearly people like overpaid morning DJs that can't throw a first pitch over the plate. That hurt my feelings on so many levels. Sorry. Some people actually like these goofy ads, but there's a lot more to it. I think people really like the one-price upfront approach. They know they are being treated fairly. Yep. The free 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty doesn't hurt either. So what's going on this month? Well, inventory's finally getting better. We've got 75 Rogues and 25 Pathfinders available for delivery this month, and Nissan just came out with 1.9% for 36 months for people with good credit. The way interest rates are climbing these days, that's pretty darn good, Dougie. With all those Rogues and Pathfinders, free powertrain warranty, and low interest rate financing, no wonder Burnsville and Coon Rapids are setting records. We're like the Aaron Judge and Rod. Roger Maris of Nissan's. No, no, you're not. We've got the blues on the run. I can't get the polka music out of my head since oh, I listened to polka music with Dad on Sunday. Your I Dad wants to hear polka? Stop it. I don't know what to do. Yeah, it all works and out. And Roll the Out the Barrel is the only polka song that I know most of the words to. So I only know the ones that go. Those are the ones that I know. You don't know Roll Out the Barrel? I do know Roll Out the Barrel. Yes, yeah, I do. Yeah, that's probably the most <clears throat> famous polka song. I Everyone do knows indeed. Roll Out the Barrel. Well, the blues on the run. And Everyone knows it. Something about the gangs all here. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And I only listened to it 15 times. You'd think I'd know the words. <clears throat> yeah, you would think. Oh, God, but it won't leave my head. I get those what, earworms, they mm-hmm. call them, so easily. Must mean I'm mentally feeble. Good could be. That's That's probably it. I have a question for you guys. (laughs) Oh, the support. I thought James Corden left his talk show. Who is James Corden? Uh, James Corden is a late-night talk show host. The only reason why I know anything in the world about any of this stuff is Twitter has been very valuable for me to know what's going on in the world, even though it is a toxic cesspool. Um, He... I don't believe that they have renewed his contract. Oh, is that what it is? Um, yep. I thought he was leaving. And uh, he apparently has, <clears throat> is in the process or has listed his you know, $40 billion house in L.A. Uh, so 
he's looking to move back to England. What show is he? I don't know. The Late Late Show. The Late Late Show. Late Late. I don't think I've ever seen him. What do you got, like 45, 50 viewers? What do you got, The Late Late? There's nobody watching that show. Well, there's just nobody watching, you know, mainstream television anymore. No. No, I think that's true. Streaming Uh, is. Let's see. Streaming is really good, though, too, we should point out. Yeah. He's departing summer 2023. What? He's not leaving for another six, nine months? So why is that a story? Apparently. Well, because he didn't renew his contract. Oh, well, or is this just a ploy to get more money? Well, apparently he was recently mean to a restaurant or something. Yes, he did. He was. Yeah, he was just a jerk to them for no reason. Let's see. He apparently apologized for that. Sorry for the clear in my throat, but I got these leaves or whatever it is, man. I can barely breathe. I never, I never had allergies until I, what about ten years ago? I know I didn't have allergies until never. I was older either. I guess it's a thing that happens because you're. I guess. After you're exposed, exposed, exposed to allergens, sometimes your body just says, "I'm not going to fight it anymore." Yeah, probably. I, I was born with them, and they got better. That's usually how it works if you if you're born with them. So what do you got over there, Andy? What's it saying to you? Uh, basically, he just made a snarky comment, and now everyone's freaking out about it for some reason. Oh, what did he say? He well, made a, apparently, they were cooking the food wrong, so he made a comment about cooking it himself. Wow. So that's not what happened at all. If I because I saw the original quote, and that's he got he was a total jerk to that that's server. What I saw. Have I missed anything? Did I miss any news? James Corden joked with his studio audience on Monday. The Late Late Show host was, of course, referring to the hubbub spark since he was banned, then unbanned from the New York City restaurant Baltazar over his reported treatment of waitstaff there. Corden largely circumvented talking about the controversy during a recent interview, but on his own show, he finally broached uh, what had gone down. Whenever these sorts of moments come my way, I like to adopt quite a British attitude, sort of keep calm and carry on. Corden told his audience, noting his motto is to never complain, uh, never explain. That's not what happened at all. You were a total jerk to that server. He said that his dad had told him over the weekend, son, well, you did complain, so you might need to explain. The 44-year-old comedian admitted that after an order got botched at Baltazar for his wife, who has food allergies, he had indeed made a sarcastic, Mm. rude comment. Which he says he now regrets because I didn't shout or scream or call anyone names or use derogatory language. But truth is, I made a rude comment and it was wrong. Doesn't say what the rude comment is, though. You ever notice that with, with the press now? Oh, shouldn't you print the rude comment? You would think. Okay. Well, but no, because then you can make your own opinion on whether or not it was bad. God, it's unbelievable. They want to tell you how to feel. They do indeed, and they're getting more and more mouthy about it. You're going to tell us, well, did you see what happened to that kid down in Miami? <laughs> no. Spanish kid. specific. Spanish kid going door to door, plugging uh, for Mario, Marco Rubio. Two guys beat the piss out of him. Oh, yeah. I'm not surprised. <clears throat> oh, Alex is here. But so it's not okay. I, I can't go around and plug my candidate like you're going to go around and plug your well, candidate. I mean, it's Miami. They might have just done it out of a random act of violence. Oh, I don't think we so. can't uh, can't discredit that. Miami is not a nice place. Well, especially certain parts of it. Miami's beautiful. Gross. Well, it is beautiful, but it, Andy's right. It's not very safe in some areas. Well, no. when you've got a population as dense as they do, smashed into a tiny little area, yep. yeah, that does ha- seem to happen. It seems like it. Victim canvassed for senator, uh, canvassing for senator, has ties to extremist group. Rubio's take also differs from the cops. 
So there's no truth anymore, is there? There's no such thing as the truth. It's my version of the truth. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Yep. So I don't know. Still, I, I, I see he's an extremist group. Oh, what might that be? An online post from Florida Senator Marco Rubio about an attack on a man who was canvassing for him over the weekend is now raising eyebrows over both its insinuations and the volunteer who was assaulted. Last night, one of our canvassers wearing my T-shirt and a DeSantis hat was brutally attacked. Yeah, he, he was on a stretcher, unconscious, I know, when I saw him. Last night, one of our canvassers wearing my T-shirt in DeSantis hat was uh, brutally attacked by four animals who told him Republicans weren't allowed in their neighborhood. Rubio, see, again, you're not. Al- I'm not allowed in a neighborhood now. Is that right, really? I'm telling you, that's every city in the country. <clears throat> Any city over, like, probably 300,000 people, no go zone. I guess so. Uh, I don't know. I I just, well-known Republican stronghold, ladies and gentlemen. The senator wrote that the volunteer ended up with internal bleeding and a broken jaw. They broke his jaw. Mm -hmm. uh, That he needed reconstructive procedure for his face. But an incident report on the arrest of 22-year-old Javier Jesus Lopez, since obtained by the Daily Beast from the uh, Hialeah Police Department, makes no mention of any political motive. Are you kidding me? Mm Mm-hmm. It was all about being political. See, the, the lying, you can't even read the news anymore because all they do is lie. Yeah, there's some sort of video going around about how um, some somebody in politics was explaining to this undercover reporter, and I don't even know who did it, um, that, <laughs> I mean, the strategic planning by the Democratic Party, if this is true, is, is quite brilliant. Um, the Democratic Party is donating money to the extreme candidates on the, the Republican side. Yeah, they've been doing that so for that the, a while. So that the the middle of the road people don't get their don't make their primaries. Right. <clears throat> right. So that that's one of the reasons why the people the higher up are screaming and yelling and constantly about how all Republicans are MAGA. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like this chain of just I mean it's it's filthy, chain, chain, chain. but it it's also—it's also brilliant in its masterminded, <laughs> uh, evil way of doing things. I mean, you should be running on your policies yeah. and all the wonderful things that you're going to be doing, and how smart you are, and how you know how to do everything. You shouldn't be just winning because you're strategically got—you have your neck, your your foot on the neck of the other guy. That's just wrong to me. Am, am I the only one that thinks that way? No, it's, you're absolutely right about that. The problem we got in America right now is our elections are not the people voting. Our elections, uh, our, our, our winning candidates are picked by billionaires now. Yeah, it's, all, it's all about They're how much money they have. Won. The person with the most money usually wins. There's no doubt about that. And they, they just... Well, Which is sad. It's just disgusting. It really is disgusting that money, 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 money is all that matters anymore. When is the last time we had a, like a real grassroots politician that really had a great message that really helped out and they won? Or did we ever have one? Did we ever have one? <clears throat> yeah, Teddy Roosevelt might be, might be the last one. I don't know. Jimmy Carter was pretty poor. He was. Jimmy Carter was a really nice well, man from I'm, what I understand. I'm not even talking about being poor. I'm just talking about somebody that actually can... Well, but I don't think Jimmy Carter had, you know, billions of dollars no, behind him, no. you know, shoveling the money into a furnace so to why did he power win? his campaign. I don't know. Who did he run against, even? God, I don't even remember. remember. That was a long time Must have time been someone ago. pretty shitty. Let's see here. <laughs> or the economy was pretty shitty. Or, yeah. People will usually jump ship when the no, economy is No, he defeated Gerald terrible. Ford, who was incumbent. 
Oh, quite a bit too. Okay, now who was the Republican and who was the Democrat? I don't even. Gerald know. Ford was Republican. Gerald Ford was Republican. Yeah. Okay. Jimmy so Carter this was, was seventy six. So yep. things were, were things going not so good. Oh no, no the economy that was, is terrible. Yeah, that was the gas. Wasn't that the gasoline crisis yeah, and everything? It oh, it was also right after Watergate. Right, it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, basically, people voted for Jimmy Carter because Watergate bad. Yes. I've never talked to him. On, well, that's not true. I have talked to him on the phone, but I've never met him. But I understand from everybody who has met him that Jimmy Carter is one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. Just a very nice man. He's still doing uh, Habitat for Humanity builds. 96. Or 98. I think he's, what is he, 98? He is, in fact, 98. He just turned 98. 98 years old. He's out there helping them build houses. <laughs> that's phenomenal. I cannot even imagine. See, that's my deal. I, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I like people that are decent people. It's just very hard to find them. Yeah. Jimmy Carter is the longest-lived president and the longest-married president. He's uh-huh. been married for 76 years. See? Is He's the third gross? oldest living person to have served as a state leader. I wonder who the first oldest. What oh, was his Jesus. wife's name? Rose? Thurgood Marshall. Rose Lee? Rose I had it, and you led me down the wrong path. Jimmy and Rosalind. 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 Is she still alive, too? Yep. Uh, well, she's probably younger than him. <clears throat> she's not you much, never know. I don't think she's much younger uh, than him. Rosalind Smith is three years younger than him. She, oh, and she's only so 95? She's, only she's a mere 95. <laughs> and, yes, she is alive. Wow. Oldest living leaders. Number one is some guy from Laos. He was the sure. prime minister of Laos in the 90s. Really? And the president as recently as 2006. He's also 98. So it's a three-way tie, a four-way tie in terms of years. And then a previous prime minister of Japan. That's not surprising. Japanese people live forever. They do. What is no, your... Number four is Czechoslovakia. Hey, there you go. Rubomir Strugal. people, honey. Wow. There you go. See? Czechs live forever, too. Uh, and they do. Unfortunately. They really do. What is your li- What are the odds of, pe- of a person, any person, making it into their 90s, mid-90s? Uh, 90s? It's not high, but it's not as low as you'd think. Much less a couple lasting into their 90s. There's a 30% you know, chance of making it to 90, apparently. 30%? That's well, yep. higher than I thought it would be. But... There is only a 1.4% chance of making it to 100. Whoa. So the 90s is a pretty lethal time to be. I would think so. You're going to say, oh. (laughs) Seems like it. After spending time in the memory care unit. Oh, God. Yeah. I, you know, I used to want to live to be 100. Everybody does when yep. you're young because life yeah. is great and you feel wonderful it's and you think, great. I could do oh, this, I could do like this for 100 forever. years. <laughs> but after witnessing. What happens in a memory care unit? No, thank you. There's that woman who's always wandering the halls asking to get back to her room. Yeah, she's the one that she. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I always felt so sorry for her. She was sitting. She's always out in the hallway going, "I don't have any family. Oh. I don't have any friends. No one is here anymore." I see her family come and visit her yeah. all the time. And she like, just doesn't remember. I oh, really? Don't she think she remember Really? Yeah, my uh, yeah, Grandpa uh, didn't remember how to chew food the other day. Didn't remember how your dad didn't. Yeah, remember chew I don't really food. think about chewing food. I just do it. I guess that's something. I always thought that was advanced stage Alzheimer's, which of course it 
I mean, he's definitely going downhill hugely, but he doesn't, he's never been diagnosed with that. They do forget to eat that is... or how to eat. They, they don't know how, like you could, they could be starving and they wouldn't know how to like pick up the food and put it in oh, their mouth. I guess God. that is something that does happen. And That's what that... I mean. Why do we have to live that long? I know. I know. It well, doesn't... he thinks that it's because the Lord needs them on earth still. And I'm like, need you well, to do what? Well, that's what I told him. Need you to do what? <laughs> exactly. To help well, he kept on saying, better. why can't I go? Why can't I go? Why, sh- why, can't I, why can't I die? Why can't I die? So I'm like, well, coming up with a reason. <clears throat> yeah. You're still needed Something. here on earth. I guess so. Well, well I... hey, Tim, you see any comedies lately? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, Timmy. Oh, Tim. Demute. Timmy! Why not work? Timmy's not there, Timmy. He seems to be there, but it's. I think your mic might be broken or something. You're not muted. You're on. You're on, Buster so Brown. who knows? Hot's up. Oh, Leslie Jordan died. Oh, you didn't who? know that? Yeah, he died in a car accident. Yeah. His car drove... <clears throat> oh, drove yeah. Drove on the side of a building. They think he had some sort of Jesus, medical... Jesus, he was only 67? He was only 67 years old. They think he had God. some sort of medical emergency. I would have thought he was like 90. <laughs> I just loved his attitude, though. He had a great... Although they said in the, this article I'm just reading, looking down now, they said he started back in the day when gay men had a very hard time uh, getting roles. Every guy in Hollywood was gay. Yeah. What are they talking about? I mean, Anthony Perkins was gay. Uh, then you had uh, uh, well, yeah, Rock Hudson out. was gay. I was going to well, say, but out. nobody was Everybody, out. Everybody, knew. Knew. Everybody, Everybody knew. Everybody knew, but they were But it wasn't out. like a, yeah. I mean, gay men got hired all the time, and everybody knew they were gay. What? I really, really wish they wouldn't invent trouble that's not there, because there's enough real trouble the way it is with gay people and transgender people and people of different colors and all the rest of it. What was the show with uh, Forgetful Friend? He was so forgetful. Yeah, what was that? How forgetful was she? What what show was that? Because there was a gay guy on that, and he was very out. And that was like ages ago. How forgetful was he? She. She. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I have you no idea. You know what I'm talking about? I've never heard of that in my life. If maybe we could hear... Someone in the chat will probably know. Or maybe Tim would know if his mic... Oh, he's gone. Maybe his internet's busted up. Oh, it could be. Busted up. It could be, no question about it. So, Alex, how have you been? How'd your trip go? Trip. Oh, yeah. Good. <laughs> what do you mean trip? What do you mean trip? Sorry, there's Hello. something, something no, weird trip. happened at the kids' school this morning. So oh, my head's it's, not, just it's not a bad yeah. weird, is it? Yeah, it didn't affect Paul Lind. my children, though. Paul Lind? Which... Courtesy of Wendy. She knows who I'm talking Paul about. Oh, yeah, Paul Lind was gay. Yeah, very, what the gay. Hell show? Very he was out. on Hollywood Squares. He was on Hollywood Squares, absolutely. But he was also on one of those other he shows. He was on Bewitched. He, well, yeah, but I mean the game show. Oh, a game show? Was it the Paul Lynn show? No. The Password or one of those? One of those, yeah. One of the It was ones. one of those. It's like Hollywood Squares where it was like ostensibly a game show, but in reality it just existed so they, they could riff. Yeah. Because that's all they did on Hollywood Squares is tell jokes, and then they'd have to make a real guess. Yeah. And Andy, um, Joe said oh. that you should play King Nothing for your mom. Why does he want to? I think what? she's heard oh, it enough. To get rid of my uh, yeah, oh. uh, Dante. Not get that one. Get rid of your one. what? 
Get rid of my earworm. What's your earworm? Where's Roll your out the barrel. Why? <laughs> because I listen to polka music with Grandpa on Sunday, and I can't get it out of my head. If you're fascinated by aliens, ghosts, cryptid creatures like Bigfoot, then I have the show for you. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Each week, we investigate different claims of the supernatural, bringing you the top guests and experts from around the world. Listen on all of your favorite podcast platforms. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Tom here with my good friend, CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, I was out in Maple Grove the other day, saw your new branch that's under construction. It's looking great. Thanks, Tommy. We're very excited to open our new Maple Grove branch in the Arbor Lakes area later this year. Well, the way I do math, that's the sixth North American Banking Company, and you only have five fingers. How'd you get to six? I used my computer. We better not ad-lib. All right, we won't ad-lib. Never mind. People will... Well, you're not that good at it. Oh, yes, that's true. You know, we have locations in Roseville, 50th in France, Hastings, Woodbury, and Shoreview. One thing I like about being a North American Banking Company customer is I can do a lot of my banking online or on your mobile app, but sometimes it helps to go in and talk to one of your friendly bankers in person. Everybody loves when you visit, Tommy. We hope to see you in Maple Grove soon. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. I've got a little clip from All right, Tim, are Leslie you on? Jordan, if you want to hear it. Oh. He, yeah, I think your computer's broken. Okay, I'm going to play this. Jimmy. We can figure this out. Did John Wayne... It... It's this piece of crap. Okay, how about oh. now? Oh, there Perfect. we go. You're on We now. can hear you now. This piece of crap headset, I'm going to take it out and smash it with a mullet today. Don't do it. Mallet. Mullet. Well, mullet. Do it with a mullet, too. Not That'd be a good. A bad hairstyle? Mullet, mallet, mullet, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, heard you talking about Leslie Jordan. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a tragic loss because is the guy is such. He was such of a talented guy, and yep. you know what's amazing to me? Sixty-seven. I know. I thought I mean, he was older. He's one of those guys who looked a lot older than sixty-seven. Yeah. Well, he looked yeah. like he was sixty-seven back when Will and Grace was on. Oh, <laughs> he was so damn funny with Karen on Will and Grace. He was great. Oh well, my god! Everyone just you know on Instagram and stuff. Everyone just had the most wonderful things to say about him. Oh too. really? Can I yes. play this fifty-seven? Oh, what are you playing? A second clip. minute. It, it's a just I don't know. It's a clip about him. It's all over. About Leslie Jordan. It's all over social media. Okay. It's him. Okay. Oh. Play it. Well, hello, pilgrims and fellow fitness fanatics. Well, I'm here making enough chicken salad for an army of one. <laughs> what are y'all doing? <laughs> Bored shitless. I feel like y'all all out there screwing and. Yeah, I am just sitting. I'm still just sitting here watching murder programs. All I do is eat. If I had to haul ass, it'd take two trips. I don't think I'm Spanish, but I'm scared. She had given me a tab of ecstasy. You snorted a gram. 
There's none left. And, and we got put in jail. <laughs> Hello, I'm Sia. <laughs> Did John Wayne eat him? And the other co-star was Miss Betty White. It was George. Uh, what? Apparently, was... during the pandemic, he was doing like little oh, on Instagram. On Instagram, he was just like getting on Instagram and talking about any random thing he could think like of. It that. was hilarious. But that was like a weird. That was like a little montage compilation yeah. of snippets of all of them. Um, but no, that's when I started following Leslie Jordan on Instagram because he. Yeah, during the pandemic, just got on and started telling stories and talking about whatever he wanted to. And it was just very funny and sweet and random. I was liked him a lot. Yeah, everybody. I mean, yeah, what, what Megan Mullally and Sean Hayes oh. posted about him oh on Instagram God. was very, very sweet. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's good so to hear. I am glad to see, uh, I saw a tweet from Catherine the other day. You did see... Finally, um, what's that? Uh, Coda. Yeah. Oh, me too. She watched it with me. Oh, really, yeah. Tom? You haven't seen it I yet? I have not seen it yet, no. Oh, my God. It, it. You know, last year, the Academy got it right. You know, of course, Will Smith's slap overshadowed everything, but mm. yeah. that was named Best Picture. And you have to agree, Alex and, and Catherine, it is one of the greatest. It is. I mean, it's certainly so last year. What in... Yeah, it's just really so damn emotional, oh and uh, my God, yeah, I'm I'm so glad that you you caught it. I know we're watching it, and I'm like, I'm not crying, you're crying. I was like, I'm <laughs> like I absolutely am crying. Yeah, there you go, definitely. Oh God, no, what an was, incredible movie! It was so. And it, it wasn't really. I mean, the story was great. It was a great story. It was, you know, you kind of knew where it was going, sort of, obviously, because they. They built up to it. Yeah. That was the point of the whole story was the ending. But the emotion on the dad's face yeah, was dad, what oh. really got me. The dad was it amazing. Was, yeah. Yeah. Best for, supporting actor. For not even speaking, he certainly could, you know, yank your chain. <laughs> and, and and you have to admit, I mean, Marley Matlin is in it. Oh, she is great. I mean, everybody, mm -hmm. everybody was so terrific. What a what a great movie. So, yeah, highly recommend and the that and how far along are you with The Watcher? How many oh, episodes? Oh, not in? far enough because I just. Uh, three, four episodes, I think we're in. Doug Sprinthal yelled at me today because apparently the last episode he hated it. It's kind of. I don't know. It's it's starting to lose its luster for me. Probably oh, I'm in episode four a little bit, you know, a little. It's starting to, you know, because it's like, okay, well, who's the watcher? Who's the watcher? We're getting to the point where we think we know who the watcher is. Um, but I think by and far and away, my favorite performer is Margot Martindale. Oh, she's and great. I, I think it might be at the end of episode one where she just says, mother effers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We just watched the one where something happened to the neighbors. Yes. They died. Oh, I'm not supposed to tell anybody that? Oh spoiler well, alert. That's a major spoiler alert. It's only spoiler. episode two. No, we're like, that's like episode four, isn't it, Tim? Know. What do you think? Uh, well, there's something going on funny what show with are you all talking the about? neighbors. The well, let's just, let's just Never. We'll make it generic that way. Everything, it, it's not... Everything isn't as it seems. Let's just no. say that. Right. No. 
Um, so, you know, and the, the most amazing thing to me about this series is the guy who co-created it, Ryan Murphy, is one of the most twisted people in Hollywood. <laughs> it's American Horror Story, right? Oh, that. Oh, God. And, I had to stop watching oh, that. God, that everything the guy has done is just so twisted. Uh, and this yeah. is the opposite of that. He did Glee. Got that all wasn't very suspense. twisted. That's true. He did but, Glee? Uh, Apparently, yeah. Wow. He created and produced Glee. Well, he's got two sides to his brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he certainly go. does. And you know what he did? I, I, my daughter, my oldest daughter is watching it with us, my wife and I. And I said, yeah, he actually created Nip Tuck. That was his first deal. He was actually a, a, oh. a journalist, a journalist for Entertainment Weekly to start. That's where he came huh. from. So he, he was harboring some some very dark thoughts because after Nip Tuck, which got really weird, um, American Horror Story is about the most twisted. Not the, the first season I loved, the yep, Murder House too. one was great. Yep. Uh, then the Asylum, and then once it got to the thing with the corkscrew guy in the hotel. I yeah. agree. Like, I didn't watch I'm out. it after I'm that. Out. Yeah, it's too Yeah, the, what, too that weird. was what's-her-name, too, wasn't it? What um, The big singer. Lady Gaga. Yeah, Lady, Lady Gaga. Gaga. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I wasn't. That's where her and Matt Bomer, they, uh, they killed a couple <laughs> Slit their throats and then smeared each other with their blood. Yeah, oh, like, okay. yeah that's enough a bit, of this. Yeah, that's yeah. a bit much. It's just way too much. <laughs> too bad that. But Matt he also Bomer's did a handsome. show called Ratchet about you know like a prequel to Nurse Ratchet oh, yeah, from. Oh yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean just twisted, that, twisted yeah. stuff. Yeah, I don't think we made it through that uh, Ratchet thing because it wasn't. Good. No, it was terrible. I, I didn't think it was good. And I love the actress in it. Who? What's her name? She's in Sarah everything. Something? Sarah Palmer. Air. What? Sarah Palmer. Sarah Palmer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like so, her too. Yeah, yeah. So she she's she's great and she's in all this stuff and 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 you know, I can I can't even watch Dahmer. I can't. I just Oh can't no, we didn't either. We're, we didn't either. I'm trying to gear up for it. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, you know what sucks? The one of the um uh, I guess you could say collateral damage of the whole series is my daughter did watch all of it because she loves uh the evan peters the kid who plays mm -hmm. dahmer and oh. they got this mix of 70s tunes that it's like oh i love this but then all of a sudden you're starting to associate it with with uh what dahmer is doing in the show and all of a sudden it's like uh. okay you just ruined this song for me now so that's that's the one thing i didn't like about it it's, it's like like i say collateral damage they you know there's it's a great soundtrack to the 70s. And uh, I don't know, when did the guy get caught? 80s? I didn't get far enough in, but the early stuff had a lot know. of great 70s tunes. That hey, wait a minute, spoiler, he got caught? <laughs> he got go. caught. He got caught. But uh, it's it's such of a twisted show. Again, I I didn't start at the beginning, but Jen just peering in here and there, scenes that she was watching, it's like, nope, nope. He, he was apprehended in 1991. 91? Wow. God. He was at this Well, a long he started time. in 78, but then he took like a 10-year hiatus, apparently. Really? Yeah. They don't usually. Uh, a lot of them do, actually. Really? Well, they'll do it once or so... twice, and then they'll be like, they'll kind of like, you know, marinate on it for a while, and then they'll just go nuts for a few years and get caught. Oh. I well, that's what happened and he to him. was so, I mean, he had the, the textbook, um, the telltale signs. Profile. The, the harming the animals, small animals and uh. crap like that. I mean, it was just, and, and again, these, I'm just talking about glimpses here and there that I caught. 
Mm-hmm. And Richard Jenkins actually plays his father, and he's phenomenal. I mean, that's the whole thing. These shows are so incredibly well made. Again, another Ryan Murphy thing. The guy knows what he's doing, and um, I would like to, but it's just too disturbing for me to watch. It just is. Yeah, I don't like knowing that there are people like that in the world. It, exactly. It, yeah. Yeah. It's it is disturbing. Well, it's definitely less common than it used to be now that everything everyone's got a ring doorbell and there are cameras everywhere and everyone's got a cell phone. Yeah, that does. I help. mean, if you think about it, you like think that all, someone's that com- that's compelled to murder cares about that stuff that I think much? they'll kill one person and then get caught, which is what happens uh-huh. now. I mean, if you think about it, all the famous serial killers Pretty much all of them are from, you know, the before times. Yep. The dark ages, that as it were. Dark ages. I don't understand the fascination. Like, I, I have, don't either. I have zero interest in watching Dahmer, the new thing on Netflix that everybody's just crazy about. I'm like, I don't want to watch that. I, I think it's, oh, something, oh. it's something about the psychology of someone that can do that that's interesting to me. Yeah. It's not what they're, you know, obviously... <laughs> It's yeah horrible what they're doing, but why does somebody get that bad? Because of, like, in most cases, horrendous upbringing. Sometimes, yeah. not always. The that's what's the, but that's what's so weir- but weird. Like, Sometimes it's not that way. Every single major serial killer that you know of had a horrendous upbringing. It, is Dahmer <clears throat> pretty much all? Do of they them, yeah. do, do they start with why he's you know how he grew up and? Well, again, I mean, I I just caught little glimpses here and there but yeah i mean you do get him as a kid yeah. and the thing with the small animals and his old man who is a weird guy too and uh yeah, so there's... again i i just really didn't see enough to form any opinion oh, okay. other than you knew what was coming you saw how he would lure victims to his apartment and uh just you know again i just didn't want to get to the point where he's storing body parts in the fridge you know yeah. I, I didn't want to get was there gay right was he gay uh, Dahmer? i don't know if he yes, was he was not. yeah oh he was okay I yeah but know. lots of lots and lots of people have very horrendous upbringings and don't turn into serial killers they do what is yeah, it about some people that it, that's yeah I, that's what's so that's what's interesting to me <laughs> because maybe if you knew you could stop it genetic tendency in a lot of i guess you know, i like, suppose I don't know. i'm gonna lighten the things up for a second because i just got a text from a listener here that i, I won't even identify you if that's all right uh you guys are talking about coda seeing the movie yeah, coda and all the rest good, of it such a good movie and his question is doesn't that stand for children of dumbasses no, I don't think it does. No. It's children it's of deaf, deaf Americans. Adults. Deaf adults. Children of deaf adults. That's what it's yeah. And it has a double meaning because of the music angle of the picture. Oh, sure. It, you know, because sure. the daughter is the only hearing member of the family. Mm-hmm. And yep. she is just ironically happens to be a singer. So that's, it's, it's really a clever uh, story. Who plays the daughter? She was, I don't know her at all. And she was, yeah. she was so good. She was really good. The, the the son Amelia Jones Amelia Jones I don't know she's, she's so good I don't know where she, she came really from the and love the, interest boy like could they not have found anyone with a better voice I know he could sing yeah he was supposed to get into a music school he and was his, like applying to Berkeley and yeah. his parents just assumed that he would sing and all this stuff and I'm like he couldn't sing at all no he was a terrible singer that was a, that was weird Amelia and, Jones and the, was in uh, Lock and Key. Uh, well, she Whatever is in Lock is. and Key. It's a What's... current Netflix series. Utopia, oh. back in 2013. Apparently she's British, so she was, she was in British stuff. Oh, she's oh. British? She oh. sure is, from Westminster. Oh. <clears throat> Interesting. 
Interesting. Well, I've had that Joni Mitchell song stuck in my head ever since we watched that movie. No, it's better than Roll Out the Barrel. <laughs> it is better than Roll Out the Barrel. <laughs> no, not, so not the that, last few days. So, Tom, not... did you complain about me making you watch Bullet Train on KQ this morning? No, I brought oh, it up and I said you like. I, I thought it was just lame <laughs> as hell. That's horrendous whole... movie. Oh, horrendous. You guys, that's <laughs> the whole agree. point. That's the whole point. It's, that not, it's horrendous. We've been watching very serious dramas. This well, no, Bullet that's Train true. is yeah. one of those, you know, what's the Kino Root Reeves kind of thing, you know? Kino Root? Kino Reeves. Kino Root Reeves. Kino Roots. Yes, that's his name. Just like me saying mullet instead of mallet. Yeah, I, I don't know. Mullet. I don't mullet. know. Mullet. Mullet. I'm not really up on actors and actresses that okay, much. But Keanu Reeves? <laughs> like, that's not. Well, not that tough. I don't, not, know, I don't think of him very often, but for some reason, it was sort of that genre. What was the thing that he did with the bus? There was like a bus one oh, with him. Oh, Speed? Yeah, it was sort of like Speed on you know, <coughs> the one with the bus. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was the same movie, actually. You knew Root and the bus movie. I thought I, it was okay. I mean, it was it was nothing nothing special, I'll tell you that. I, it bullet was, train. Well, so wait, it's a train that couldn't slow it's down. A bullet, it's a bullet train in Japan. Difficult. And this uh, mega gangster guy, a Russian mafia guy, gets all of the serial killers that have done him wrong or something yes, like that. Exactly. On, the, the problem with movies like this, they're, they're, they try to be too much like Guy Ritchie. They try yeah, to be they too do. much like You're Quentin right. Tarantino. And it yep. just falls flat. You know, there's just certain filmmakers that have a handle on it. And I don't even know who, oh, David Leach. And who actually directed Deadpool 2? I think the guy can direct. Yeah. But, you know, when you try to mimic another style, you know, don't, it's kind of, it's kind of like trying to be funny, you know? There's nothing worse than seeing a joke fall flat because somebody's trying to be funny. And that's kind of right. the way I felt here. Yep. He's trying to be too much like Guy Ritchie. He's trying too much to be, you know, like Tarantino. There's that relationship, the two hitmen, right? That yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a little too much of them. It could have used a hard edit, I think, on a lot of this stuff. It was two yeah. hours and ten minutes yeah, long. It was, it was way long. too long. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, Sandra Bullock, you can hear her voice throughout, and then you, you, you finally see her. There was a little bit of um, wheeling and dealing going on. She got, did you ever see The Lost City with Sandra Bullock? And Brad yes. Pitt shows up in that. Yes, yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. That's a good movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are they buddies or something? Um, or What's that? Are they buddies or? I, yeah, I think they're, yeah, just buddies. And, okay. and that was, they had, they made an arrangement that, okay, you appear in my movie, I'll appear in yours. Well, I think that uh, Sandra Bullock got the better deal there because Brad Pitt really did add a lot to The Lost City. Whereas here, you know, you hear her and, and, and just for the fact that the movie isn't that good, um, it doesn't help that whether she's there or not. Right, right. You know. So, but there is a new Netflix series. Uh, let's see, what's today? Twenty fifth. I thought it starts the twenty fifth. Maybe it won't be till Friday, but it's called Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Hmm. What? Hmm. Alex, yes. you and I got something to watch. Yeah. Yes, you do. It's it's eight episodes. It's an anthology series, and it's a horror themed anthology series. So you don't you can start an episode eight and watch that first or whatever. I started with one which uh, has to do uh, with graveyard rats. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I like that one. 
<laughs> and yeah, I am not a fan. a fan of rats, but it, this one kept me glued the whole way through. Oh. And, uh, you know, it gets it's fantastical at some point. So it's a little easier to take. But, uh, yeah, so Del Toro introduces every single episode, which is awesome. Really? Uh, yeah. And, and so he designed all the creatures for the series, but he has different directors and obviously different cast members throughout the thing. So, yeah, I, I really like it a lot just because I like Del Toro a lot. You know, he's very creative. And uh, so he just brings something new to this whole Twilight Zone slash Black Mirror slash, what is it, Outer Limits? You know, that anthology yeah, thing. Yep. Yeah. Tales from the Crypt kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it, it leans more on the horror side than it does on the sci-fi side that the, the Twilight Zone did. Um, so, yeah, that should be available now. And uh, Netflix, yes. Did you talk about The Good House? Have you seen The Good House? I did. I did see it with Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. And Kevin Klein. Nice to see those kids back together again. Yep. Did you like it? Yep. Yes. Well, you thought it was a comedy with, given the um, trailer. Yeah. We had no idea it was the serious drama. It wasn't another Dave. No. No, it was not. It was really good, though. We thought it was very Well, I like her a lot anyway. We've, we've had her on she the is very show. Good. We've had her on the morning show, and she's a very pleasant person. Yeah. She's, it's one of those weird things. I got out of a cab in L.A. one time at the Four Seasons for a, a junket weekend, and she was standing right there. It's like, oh, my God. She was so statuesque. Yeah. I didn't say anything. You know, there was brief eye contact, you know. Ooh, but I thought, I thought <laughs> we, were, we fell in love instantly. No, but, you know, it was one of those things where you want to say something. It's like, you know what? Enough people bother her. Yeah. And then, uh, oddly enough, I talked to her one time. It was on this, uh, the morning that my youngest son was born in 2000. So it's been 22 years uh, since I talked with her. So I remember the exact date that was. Um, but I, I tried to get her for that, that picture, uh, but she wasn't available. But she is wonderful. I heard that interview you did with her, Tom. She yeah. gave you guys a lot of time, too. She, oh, God, yeah. She was on for almost 20 minutes. She was wow. great. Yeah, she was really, really good. Yeah, because these days, I mean, and you, you've experienced it plenty of times, too. What can you get done in four or five minutes? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, yeah. I, that's what I'm usually stacked with. Mm. And then there's other situations, and you know this one, too. Uh, it worked out fine. I got my full 15 minutes yesterday, but Ralph Macchio was running late for his. He's got a new book, which is a terrific book, by the way, called Waxing on the Karate Kid and Me. Sure. Um, but it's one of these deals where, OK, we're late. We're 15 minutes late. We're half hour late because some dope is running over their time. Right. And then all of a sudden they get to me and they say, OK, you got to keep it at 15 because he's got another 15 after you. And then he's got a live shot at 3.30. So it's like they're, they're pouring all the pressure on me and yeah. this other person yep. to, you know, when in fact the people before us, oh, yeah, they just keep going and they don't mind whoever the guy is behind oh, them, you so know. It's just like a hairstylist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, but uh, 15 minutes with Ralph Macchio was pretty cool because I, as you know, I love Cobra Kai and I know that you're still in four, right? Season yes. four? Yeah, yeah, we are. Yep. You're in for a terrific season with five and they still don't know. Uh, he, he might know, but he's not going to say anything. But um, 
season six. And that's up in the air right huh. now. Really? Where? How far can they go with this? I mean, really? Well, you know, I mean, obviously, having seen the series and having seen the shows, you know how it's structured with basically the characters in the movies, their stories come full circle with the series, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So these characters come back. And um, this season five, well, season four, you, you get the guy, the, the megalomaniac, the toxic waste uh, guy that comes and helps out John Kreese. Oh, the Vietnam right? mm-hmm. vet. Yeah. yeah, Terry Silver. Terry mm-hmm. Silver. So he was in three. He was in the Karate Kid part three. So you got him back for four. Then yeah, in five, like he is like the main villain. And then you, they bring in another person from the third movie. Oh, um, so oh that yeah. Com- that rich. completes that arc, which is really okay. cool. So I asked him, I said, look, man, is, you know, if there isn't another one, I'm fine. Because to me, it completed the arc for everybody in three, the okay. third movie. So you're right. Where does it go from here? Yeah. So who knows? But they're all the there's all the kids though, right? All the their children and and um, Johnny Lawrence's children and and all that kind of stuff. There's those stories going on. So who knows? Maybe they'll all learn how to live peacefully ever after. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but five is a terrific season. Got it. I really do love it. I hope that somebody walks up to Ralph Macchio at some point in that show and goes, you know, you look a lot like Chad Hartman. Yeah. <laughs> well, how old is Chad? How old is he? I don't know how old Chad is. I have no idea how old he is. But Because uh, I think they're about the same age, too. That's about Macchio right. Yeah. Is, God, I they look Macchio a lot older. I think Macchio is 60, 60, maybe, or 61, 62. Well, I suppose, but, yeah, maybe maybe Chad is that old now. I didn't even it, think was so. a, it was a Zoom interview, and it is really hilarious. Yeah, he's 60. Ralph Macchio will turn 61 uh, on November fourth. Andy, so, but, but he, I the can't guy find just... that information. Really? I don't think he's you know famous enough to have that on there. Oh, really? Local Locally famous people famous, don't really, yeah. yeah, get that kind of treatment. I suppose that's true. Yeah. But but Ralph Macchio, you know, doing a Zoom with him, it's like Jesus, man. What are you? Where's the fountain of youth in your backyard? God, this guy just does yeah, not. Hey, he does not. He looks like he's about forty years old. <laughs> I think uh, Ralph Basham might be able to uh, enlighten us on that no. particular fountain so, of youth. Man. No, he doesn't. I, I don't, he doesn't look mm, like that. No, no, no. He. he this is. This is. These are. This is a hundred percent great genes. Just probably has good I mean, serums. Good skin care. Good serums. Serums. You haven't heard from Scott All yet, have you, Andy? Serums. Well, plus the other thing is uh, no. he stays okay, out of trouble. Sure. Yeah, we should. Uh, I should call him though. Yeah, we should give him a go. Uh, Timmy, do you want to stay on for about five minutes because Scott Rose sure, is going to sure. come on? Because Scott Scott is a twenty-plus year uh, law enforcement veteran. He has started uh, some great. I mean, he's doing a great job. He's what the, the he, what is it? Dodge County. He's um, a ch- sheriff of Dodge County, I think. Oh. <coughs> yeah, he is. He's sheriff of Dodge County. But uh, as a as the son of a uh, sheriff yourself, I thought you might want to say hello to Scott. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, that'd be awesome if he answers. Did he? Hello. Oh, Scott. I can hear you. Oh, how are you doing? There Scott, we go. How are you? Good. Magnificent, Scott. We uh, have with us also Tim Lammers because Timmy's father was a sheriff himself back in the day. Yeah, a deputy sheriff with oh, Wright great. County. I got pulled over the other night because uh, there were lights burnt out around my license plate. And it's, it's nice to know that uh, 
you know, I, again, I don't mind getting pulled over because, hey, man, I, I, I follow the law and uh, had a little conversation with the deputy. And I said, told him how my dad was one of the original Wright County deputies. There were four oh, that's people. Awesome. In the, the only four people in the department to start. And at the time, he was chief of police of Waverly. And then they formed the okay. Wright County Sheriff's Department. So there were four guys to cover Very one cool. whole county. There you have the <laughs> entire big county. Exactly. I like that's wow. wonderful. But I just wanted you two to say hello because uh, Tim is yeah. very proud of his dad and he should be very proud of his dad. Yeah, I, I lost that's my dad that's a few awful. years ago, but every time I get pulled over, whatever reason, I say thank you because you guys all deserve yep. it. Oh, uh, we appreciate it. We need this all, all right. the support we can get right now. Well, thanks, Tim. Thank I'm you. gonna I'm gonna hang up and listen and uh, have a great uh, week, everybody. Scott, nice to to say hello. And uh, Tommy, we'll talk on KQ on Thursday. Sounds good, Tim. Thanks for thanks right, very much. Yeah. If you're fascinated by aliens, ghosts, cryptid creatures like Bigfoot, then I have the show for you: The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Each week, we investigate different claims of the supernatural, bringing you the top guests and experts from around the world. Listen on all of your favorite podcast platforms. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Doug, how are things going at Burnsville and Coon Rapids Nissan? Well, we're in first and second place for the year in Minnesota. That's pretty impressive. What do you think the secret is? Well, clearly people like overpaid morning DJs that can't throw a first pitch over the plate. That hurt my feelings on so many levels. Sorry. Some people actually like these goofy ads, but there's a lot more to it. I think people really like the one-price upfront approach. They know they are being treated fairly. Yep. The free 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty doesn't hurt either. So what's going on this month? Well, inventory's finally getting better. We've got 75 Rogues and 25 Pathfinders available for delivery this month, and Nissan just came out with 1.9% for 36 months for people with good credit. The way interest rates are climbing these days, that's pretty darn good, Dougie. With all those Rogues and Pathfinders, free powertrain warranty, and low interest rate financing, no wonder Burnsville and Coon Rapids are setting records. We're like the Aaron Judge and Ryan. Roger Maris of Nissan's. No, no, you're not. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Ladies and gentlemen, our very special guest, uh, Scott Rose, Officer Down Memorial Podcast, the Jerome Jerry Hoff story. Boy, I tell you, I cannot believe. So that was almost, that was 30 years ago. Is that right? Yeah, that's 30 years. You're right. Oh that's my. why these guys are up for parole. 
I cannot believe that was 30 years ago already. Because I remember when that happened, Scott. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm, I'm probably uh, in America for, uh, for a media person. I'm probably uh, the biggest supporter of police officers in the entire United States and the media. Yep. Speaking uh, of police officers, Officer Dave oh, says oh, that oh. Chad Hartman is around 52. <laughs> 52. I didn't think he was 60 yet. But Officer Dave Officer Dave just called in. I'm sure he said to say hello to you too, Scott. He texted but, in. Oh, he texted awesome. in? Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. So, Scott, I want to sit back and I want to be quiet because, like I said, the, 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 the work that you people do, and I used to say you guys, but, of course, police women out there busting their backs for us as well. I don't know. Uh, I Scott, I will say this and then I'll shut up. I still don't understand how people ever thought defunding the police was a good idea. Man, they didn't grow up around the people I grew up around. Yeah, exactly. It, um, you know, and and that that whole idea is, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the people that have that pushed that narrative at our state level um, were have been anti-police for a long time. Keith Ellison, um, Mm -hmm. he's he's pretty involved in this podcast when you listen to it. Uh, because of his involvement with Sharif Willis and their vice lords. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Not a pleasant man. I've met you know. him once. Well, haven't you enough. heard? They never said defund the police, and saying they were is a conspiracy theory. <laughs> That's true. That's none that. of that ever well, happened. It's ever. just amazing how they can just delete everything. Yeah. Yep, just rewrite Start it all. Start all over. Yep. Yep. I just, it's so exhausting. It is. Um, it is exhausting. Especially here in Minnesota. You know, we don't, we don't have, unfortunately, we don't have... We don't have a lot of friends at the state capitol right now. Um, and uh, we're really hoping for a change in November. because uh, If you listen to this podcast, you'll see, um, like I said, you'll see with, uh, with uh, Ellison's involvement in the, uh, in the vice lords and, and in some of those rallies that they had back then. Um, you know, he's not a friend of law enforcement. So for him to be elected as top cop, um, we call it top cop. It's, right. Right. You know, the attorney general, that's, that um, that was appalling to so many in law enforcement, especially the Hoff family, um, because of his uh, involvement in Wisharif Willis and the Vice Lords, who ultimately were the ones that that um, set the wheels in motion and uh, had uh, put a hit out on Minneapolis PD, and that's why Jerry got killed. Yeah, he did for no reason. Jerry Hoff just happened to be. It was a pizza place on Lake Street, wasn't it? The Pizza Shack. Pizza Shack. There on, you go. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Lonnie Anderson, not the not the blonde, but uh, Mr. Lonnie Anderson was the uh, he was the owner and the manager back then. And oh, okay. Good friends with with Jerry and a lot of the Minneapolis office because that was a cop restaurant, and that's where that's where uh, a lot of Minneapolis PD guys would go for their breaks because um, it was one of the few twenty four hour restaurants back then. Yeah, and uh, they would they would use that for breaks. They would stop there. Jerry was actually there. At the time, he was there doing, uh, working. On, he was having his break, but he was also working on a report from a BWI arrest that he had done um, earlier in the evening. So, just he just ended up being there by chance, and and um, yeah, he was there when these two guys came through the door. So, super sad deal. Scott, he was he was um, executed because of the the uniform he was wearing. They had no idea who he was, but he was wearing a cop's uniform, so they killed him. Really? Yep. So there was. So there was no, so what happened, and, and we go through it in detail in the podcast, where um, uh, tensions, racial tensions in Minneapolis were really, really hot back then because yes. you just had the, um, the ruling from the Rodney King incident in California. So 
um, things weren't good with law enforcement uh, and the African American community because of because of all the distrust with the uh, with the L.A. riots and everything that went on with Rodney King. So um, with the with with Minneapolis, um, they had a they had a actually that night a, a black a, a blind at least they said he was a blind black man who was trying to get on a bus, didn't have a bus ticket. Um, there, uh, an altercation happened with law enforcement and, uh, the vice Lords put it out there that it was, uh, the cops beat up a, a black man on the bus. And, uh, they ended up, they ended up uh, meeting at Sharif Willis's place after a rally at Minneapolis North high school. Oh yeah. My, uh, my alma mater with city, with city leaders. Yep. Yep. They had a, a meeting there with city leaders and uh, the the police chief back then, and and uh, they they decided at Sharif's afterwards that they were going to go out and kill a cop in retaliation for what happened to this man on the bus. Who, my understanding is, afterwards he refuted it and said that it didn't nothing happened the way it didn't happen the way they explained it. They just they used that to fuel um, yeah. Minneapolis was a powder keg, as as were a lot of communities back then um, after the Rodney King thing and. Um, Minneapolis, it was, was a big issue back then with the gangs because the, the crack trade was huge back then. Oh, yeah. um, there were um, there were 15 primary gangs, I think 35. Uh, if you look it up back from 92, there were, there were they had 35 different organized gangs that were listed in Minneapolis. Um, and that and that area along uh, the Pizza Shack area, um, that was they that was kind of ground zero for these for these gangs and turf wars and. You know their their crack trade and, and um, it was a violent violent time. It was weird for me because I was in radio before I was in law enforcement. I know, I, oh, I know that Scott. For me. <laughs> so in '92, I was working at Laser at the classic rock station in Rochester. I was their audio yep. production director, and so I was in my kind of own little bubble in Rochester. I didn't know what was going on in Minneapolis. I had no clue. Um, so when I started doing the research on this story, after talking with the family. Um, I was fascinated by the story because I, I had, I had no clue. Uh, the, you know, the story goes from Jerry getting killed to the gang actually assassinating one of their own guys because they thought he was, they thought he was um, uh, informing on them right? and then talking about the, the Jer- Jerry's murder. And uh, it's, it's a crazy, crazy story. And uh, you know, unfortunately their, their family, um, you know, it, Jerry's story is a little bit different because he was older. He was, he was 53 years old. He was just a couple of months from retirement. Oh, God. Um, and in, uh, reports indicate that the, the four that were involved in killing him, actually there were six, but the two that actually shot him, the four that were involved, um, the, according to reports, they didn't know who Jerry was. They'd never met him. They had nope. no contact with him. He was, just, he was just an officer. He wasn't killed for, for who he was. He was killed for what he was, frankly. Um, yeah, it's super, super sad story. Um, and, and, and then combine it with the fact that, so in 1993 or prior to 1993, if you were convicted of killing a cop in Minnesota, maximum life sentence was 30 years with the possibility of parole. That's why these guys are up for, um, some of them are two of them anyway, are up for parole now. Um, it was after Jerry's murder that legislators got together working with the Hoff family and, uh, uh, wrote a bill or authored a bill that would make cop killing in Minnesota a, a 30 year life sentence without the possibility of parole. So these parole hearings that we're dealing with cop killers are all pre 19 or 1993 and prior. No, absolutely. So Jerry's is one of the last cases 
and um, he's got the, the two shooters. One's parole hearing is coming. They call it a life hearing now. Sorry, it's not parole hearing because it's the PC term now is life hearing. Oh, God. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not parole. You're not supposed to call it parole <laughs> hearing anymore. Like, whatever. <laughs> I'm so sick of PC. I'm oh, just me not too. tired of it. Um, and, uh, and the and, and the longer I go, the more I don't I don't have a filter. I I uh I just don't I don't have any time for it. Especially with the I, I I'm tired of law enforcement becoming a political football, mm-hmm. um and uh and uh and for good and for bad. You know the right after Floyd, everybody wanted to defund, reform, reimagine. I think that was the last yep. buzz term mm-hmm. for law enforcement. How's that going in Minneapolis, folks? They're down to what five hundred and thirty cops right now. I They're think that's right. Chartered it. Yeah. 831 or something like that. Um, and, and then, and then the state, the, the state, uh, the Supreme court says orders them. You gotta, you gotta hire more cops. You gotta hire more. cops. Thanks. I mean, we appreciate the, 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 we appreciate you understand the need. However, the way you treated our cops, who the hell wants to work there? Right. No, it's very, very true. They can't get any cops to work there. Um, and and everybody, you know, a lot of the guys bailed. They bailed out early. And I don't I don't blame them at all. I have friends that work up there, and it's mm-hmm. they go from shooting to shooting to shooting to shooting. They don't do any proactive police work. They don't work with the community. They don't they don't have time to. Um, and uh, so with with Jerry, the, the, the parole hearing's coming up. Um, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to encourage people to on the web on our website. It's, uh, if I may share it, it's officerdownmemorialpodcast.com. Um, I know it's, it's long, but it's it's easier to spell than Kiono Roots. Whatever you're talking about. Hey, hey, whatever. Hey, sorry, hey. sorry, sorry, sorry. That was kind of, it was kind of funny. Kiono uh, Roots, our favorite actor. I was actor. just sitting here chuckling. I, I, I even wrote it down. I'm like, Kiono Roots. Yeah, it doesn't even sound the same. <laughs> no, um, Kino, Kino, what was it? Kino Root. Kino Root. Kino Root. Kino Root. Kino is like a gambling thing. I was just really funny, I thought. Sorry, I had to bring it up. a little vodka before I came in. So, Scott, you were apparently on the LEMA Board of Directors. Yeah. Officer Dave is an honor guard for them. So, he says... Pass oh. along a hello. Oh, Just mention that he's the large one. Yeah, he is the large one. Oh, yeah, that's one. awesome. I love it. So, Lima, I've been on the board of directors there for a number of years and um, love those folks. Um, you know, and with working with Lima and being on the board, I've, I've worked with a lot of survivor families, got to know a lot of survivor families, and I I always felt that I knew there was always so much more to the story. If you, you, you go to uh, any of the state sites or the national site and you look up a, a fallen officer, you know, you always get that two, three, four sentence paragraph that kind of gives you a, a basic blurb about, you know, what happened to that officer. But you don't get to know the officer or the agency, and you don't really, you don't really understand what happened. And um, during COVID, I've done commercial voiceover work at home for, for years and, and uh, on the side. And during COVID, things were slow, and I was looking for some other projects to do. And um, I had always thought that, you know, it'd be fun to be able to share these stories of these families, because some of these stories are so powerful and so interesting. And, and people forget, especially with the, all the anti-law enforcement garbage, the rhetoric that goes on, um, certainly politically and nationally, the people forget how that these guys are heroes. These, the men and women who serve, 
all the, 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 the sacrifices that they make, people also don't realize the sacrifices their families make. You know, they forget about the families. They forget about the people who are behind them and supporting them. And then when we lose one of these officers, it's a whole, the, the whole community loses. The, the whole state loses a, a hero. You know, somebody who's willing to, uh, um, you know, really put their life on the line every day, walk out of the door and know, knowing that they could, they could, they may not come home that night. And, um, you know, so the, the, the podcast kind of was born from that, um, wanting to put something out there, having, having another vehicle out there or another means to uh, get people to listen and understand that, that cops are amazing people. And it'd be, be something that's pro-law enforcement in, a, in an era and a time where all we hear is the anti-law enforcement garbage. So that, that was kind of one purpose of the podcast. The other purpose of the podcast, the main purpose, is to work with these survivor families and share these officers' stories. Because if you talk to these survivor families, whether it's kids, uh, husband, wife, um, grandkids, uh, whatever, their biggest fear is um, people are going to forget what their, their husband did. They're going to forget our husband or wife. They're going to forget their, their service or sacrifice. Once that, when it happens and that officer's killed, things get just crazy for that survivor family with Lima working with the media and um, working the, well, Jerry Hoff, for example, um, he, his funeral was four days after he was killed. Yeah. Three days, three days after he was killed. Um, so they get, they get, this family gets pulled into this whirlwind of, of, uh, of, of media and of all this attention and everybody calling to check on them and all the, the law enforcement coming over to check on them and calling them. And then you've got the funeral and, and, uh, our, our cops in, in the States, in the United States and in Minnesota are great at bearing our debt. I mean, we do a, a hell of a celebration, um, celebrating their life and their service. Traditionally, we haven't been very good at supporting those families afterwards. Hmm. And we're all working to be better at that. Um, but if you think about the families, you know, you got the funeral. And then for two or three weeks later, three, four weeks, you've got people bringing over food and checking on you and calling. And, and then eventually the, those phone calls and those messages, they stop coming because it starts to become, I mean, it's just natural human nature. It starts to become awkward. You know, you don't want it. You think, I don't want to call Marilyn because I don't want, I, I'm afraid I'm going to say something and upset her. You know, she just lost her husband, Jerry. Um, I don't know what to say, so it's just easier just to not call. And uh, it's just human nature will be kind of avoid that that trauma talk. And, and uh, these folks, all they want to do is talk about their fallen hero. They want to talk about their loved one that they lost right. and the, the service that they made and the sacrifice. And these families are sacrificing for the rest of their lives. They're, you know, it's a, for them, it's a life sentence of no husband, no father, or yeah. husband or wife, or whatever um no no grandparents no you know they they miss all of that and um and then for for them to have to 30 years later relive everything because there's a life hearing um you know it's just it's that trauma all over again for the family and um you know fortunately unfortunately for the families with fallen officers pre-1993 they're dealing with these uh these uh, life hearings. I'm going to call them parole hearings because I think life hearings stupid. Yeah. It's a parole hearing. Um, and this is the fourth, I think it's the fourth parole hearing we've worked with on the podcast here in Minnesota. Um, the first three, all they were all, they were all held. We were able to generate several hundred letters uh, to the DOC. So on our website, uh, Officer Down Memorial Podcast, there's a, 
there's a, a section on the website where it explains Jerry's story. You can also listen to Jerry's story. The, the podcast is, it turned out great. It dropped on Sunday. Um, but, but there's a section in there that helps you, makes it really easy for you to send a letter to the state department of corrections and, um, the department of corrections then, uh, reviews they prior to the life, the parole hearing, they'll, they, they review all the letters that are sent from the public, um, and from the family and the family and the, then the family goes and, you know, essentially they do a, a victim impact statement all over again in hopes that the, um, the board decides to keep these guys in prison where they belong. Is so, the, um, board that hears these, um, life, what is it called now? Life. Life, life hearing? Life, life hearing. hearing. Are, is, yes. the, is that usually, is that political? Is that somebody who's a... No, I'm sure. In Minneapolis, of course it is. I mean, who are the... It's who are political. Who makes that well, up? Well, Commissioner Schnell is the commissioner, and he's appointed by the governor. Oh. Um, you know, and and uh, um, I, their parole board is going to be um, people, I'm, I'm assuming it's people within the, the within law enforcement and from the public. And... Um, you know, you can guess that there's a that there's a political um, influence there. I'm sure. Um, and when our fear is always uh, with Minnesota being as anti-cop as it's been, at least from a from a legislative standpoint, um, our fear is always when you get hearings like this that uh, you know that, that they're going to side with sure. with uh, what whatever the political flavor is. I mean, right now, right now we have. Legislators are running for re-election in November who are fund the police, fund the police, do this, do that, help. We want to help everything. and We want to help do everything we can for Minnesota law enforcement because they're very important and we care. And these are the same people who wanted to defund everybody oh, yeah. uh, two years two years ago. You know, I'm just so tired of the two-faced uh, politics. I just, I, and I, yeah, I don't have any patience for it. So, um, you know, we just, we just really encourage people. Uh, the sheriffs, there's 87 sheriffs in the state, and we don't typically endorse. Um, the MSA, Minnesota Sheriff's Association, doesn't never does political endorsements because uh, sheriffs in Minnesota are nonpartisan, um, so we're not elected on a, on a party platform, but with, which is, I think, the way it should be. Um, however, this year you've got, uh, um, I know you've got 40 or 50-some sheriffs who have gotten involved in uh in the attorney general phase um, because of our feelings about how things are going right now and the direction that they've gone. And so I hate the politics of it. I, um, yeah, I, I love law enforcement. I love the work that we do. Um, I, I, I grew up in this community, so this is home for me. And, um, we, you know, fortunately we're in a, we're in a pretty conservative community here that, that has always been, law enforcement, pro-law enforcement here in Dodge County. If you're fascinated by aliens, ghosts, cryptid creatures like Bigfoot, then I have the show for you. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Each week, we investigate different claims of the supernatural, bringing you the top guests and experts from around the world. Listen on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Tune in, Pocket Cast, Deezer, Amazon Music, Audible, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and podcasts the paranormal 60 with dave schrader and we are back with stretches picks you know tom uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks yeah and uh, i highly recommend betting of course i always recommend betting yeah absolutely so who's winning this thing the kitties the pack the bears or the purple none of the above 
Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home listed on the MLS and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. We have a listener, Amal. Uh, he wants to know if you know anything about the shooting of Sergeant Gerald Vick in 2005. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Apparently, um, Emil is, uh, well, Sergeant Vick was Emil's dad's cousin. Oh, wow. So it's like, oh, it, that really? would be Emil's second cousin then, right? Yeah. I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've got, um, I've done a number of, uh, there's 30-some stories right now on the, on the podcast. Most of them are Minnesota. There's, uh. There are some from out of state. There's Ohio, Kansas, and Nebraska, I think, are also on there. And we're working on some other stories from, from other states. The One of the things I do with the podcast is I try not to be – I try not to look at stories that are any more current than 10 years. Um, and, and, and the only reason for that is because it it's still really fresh to these families. Yeah. And I don't ever want to do anything – I don't ever want to do anything that, that re-victimizes these families. Sure. Because of everything else that they've been through. I want it to be – therapeutic for them and when you listen to this podcast it's not me interviewing people on the podcast so it's not a typical um um you know it's not like i'm sitting down talking it's when, when i interview people for the jerry hoff story for example the his daughter and his son are on there and some of his co-workers are on there i interview them i take excerpts from their interviews and i use those to help tell the story so when you listen to the podcast, initially I'll, I'll uh, set the time and the era, give you a couple arrow points from that year. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce you to the, the city or the community, the agency, um, so you kind of feel familiar with that. And then we talk about the family. Uh, we talk about the fallen officer, give you an idea of who he is. So you kind of feel like you know them. And then, and then I will walk you through step-by-step exactly what happened when we lost that officer. Um, including radio traffic, including 911 calls. Um, it's like you're there. And um, it's, it's, it's very, it can be very emotional to listen to. I get emotional with every one of them I do. Um, and the people I interview get emotional. Um, but, but the point is to, to show how, again, to show how long, the men and women in law enforcement are heroes. 
and, and, and to show the sacrifices that they're willing to take for our safety, sacrifices they're willing to take to, in most cases to protect people they don't even know. Some people they don't even like, frankly, um, and, and that they're heroes. Um, but I walk you through that, and then I, I replay that story. I replay that incident um, so you feel like you're there um, at not only when it happens. Uh, we talk about the, uh, the funeral and the funeral there and then the, the trial afterwards if there's a trial. And, uh, and then on some of them, like this case, um, there's, a, there's the, the parole aspect where you know, we're trying to help raise awareness for people who um, may not remember what happened back in 92 and, and hopefully you know, generate some support for the family to try and keep uh, these guys in prison where I think they belong. So um, it's a very different podcast. It's not like, it's not, it's not like, um, this podcast. Not like a lot of, <laughs> you, know, not, uh, you don't call anybody. No, 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 no. I don't mean it that way. Or whatever it was. I'm just kidding. Hey, I don't mean it that way. You know, I don't, that just, it's just different. I mean, it's, it's something where when you listen to the officer down Memorial podcast, you're going to want to sit there with your earbuds uh, or headphones or whatever in a quiet place with, you're going to want some tissues, maybe a drink or two. Oh. Um, <laughs> Cause it's, you're going to get emotional. I guarantee you'll, you'll get emotional when you listen to it. Hmm. Um, but in the end, you're going to have an even greater appreciation for not only this family and the, and the officer that we're talking about, but you're going to have a greater appreciation for law enforcement in general. No and question. Uh, you know, the kind of the goal with it. So, Okay. Um, yeah, I, I love doing them. I have a question about being able yeah. to move on as a society from this current wave of anti-cop politicians getting involved in absolutely every little aspect of everybody's life, and and yeah. I, I I feel that what maybe the police department hasn't done well is. Let the public know that good cops don't like bad cops and right. how what the process is. It seems like, the, from what I gather, the police union obviously represents all police officers. And when they, do, right. when they get into trouble, um, the union supports them. And it seems like that's kind of where everything's getting a little skewed. It's like if you... If an officer gets a lot of complaints and the union is stepping in to make sure that the officer is reinstated or doesn't, you know, get punished or fired, that's maybe right. where part of the problem is coming from. That's the perception. Well, I don't know if that's the reality yeah. at all. I'm just saying that's what the perception is. Being uh, on the admin side of things with the sheriff's office. Sure. Um, I can tell you that unions can be very frustrating because they not only protect good cops, but they protect bad cops. And that's their job, you know. Um, but I'll tell you that nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop. Right. I agree. Frankly. Frankly. <clears throat> you know, you, you see when, when we see things, when you see things on TV that look like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing that, or, or, or um, a legitimate uh, excessive use of force case or whatever when they're showing video, um, you know, the, the, the guys, the guys yelling at that screen at the law are, are the good cops. You know, it's just, we, the, the, the bad cops are such, such a minority. It's such a minority. You know, if you look, we have, if you look at, you look at the number of cops, you've got eight, 800, 900,000 cops in the United States. 
and you've got uh, millions and millions of contacts every year with law, with uh, with the public, and you have just a handful of these cases that come up that that, that they they use this broad brush and, and paint every cop as the bad cop, and um, and that goes with everything. It goes with you know, frankly, if you look at our numbers, our numbers are probably even better than clergy, as far as being good cop, bad cop. Um, but what's frustrating for us is we the, then we get thrown into the politics of it all. And right. one of the challenges with with police departments versus sheriff's offices, especially in, uh, in in Minnesota, is that chief, the chief and the police administration there, are at will appointed by the mayor and the city council. So they have a responsibility to follow whatever the narrative is of that mayor or that city council, or they lose their job. I mean, that's who they answer to. So if, if your mayor and city council have, have a narrative of, of, of politics that, that puts a bad light in law enforcement, um, unfortunately, that's what you can get from police administration. Um, or if they're completely lost and they don't know how to handle the, the crime or the issues that you're having, you'll hear that in the Jerry Hoff story where Minneapolis Police Administration and the city of Minneapolis, they made this, they, they made this pact with United for Peace which was a, a sham back then. It was a, a nonprofit organization started by Sharif Willis. And uh, his claim was that it was going to bridge the gap between gang leaders and, and city officials to help quell gang violence in the city of Minneapolis. Which sounds a, good. It was a sham. Yeah, yeah. it sounds great. Um, it was a sham. And, um, and uh, what Sharif Willis did is he played both sides. He was still the leader of the Vice Lords. You know, one of the most violent gangs out of the out of Chicago, and and then he was the leader of United for Peace, and um, uh, it's just a, it was it's such a crazy story. And if you if you step back, pull away all the politics, peel back the onion, and you look at it, and you think, how in the hell did these people think that this made any sense? Um, but 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 fast forward thirty years, some of those names are still around today. Oh yeah. Yeah, which no blows my mind blows my mind so um with on the police side it's all politics unfortunately for those chiefs because they're they're stuck with whatever narrative their city has on the sheriff's side um especially in minnesota and minnesota is one of the few states where if you run for sheriff you're not running as a you don't have to uh, run on the republican ticket or the, or the democrat ticket you're you're not you're not partisan. um most states you have to run you, you run with a party um, so therefore you you know, you get, you get stuck in that party, poli- in those party politics where there's a narrative that they're going to expect you to follow because they supported you during mm-hmm. your election. Where in Minnesota, it's nonpartisan. So we don't answer to, I don't answer to either side. Um, and, uh, so the, the sheriffs of Minnesota, they're going to be historically, they're, they're much more closer to that, that narrative and that belief and the value system of their of their communities as a whole including the greater areas of their communities because because they're elected they don't answer they don't answer to a, a county board they don't answer they're an independent elected official um so they're able to kind of work their way through the politics and the chiefs don't have they don't have that luxury and and if you if you think about it and you look at it most of these uh, uh incidents problem incidents with law enforcement they're all within the city they're all within city police departments now, there's two aspects of that. 
one, it's a city police department where there's a, a, a political aspect to it, too. But two, it's also they're all in larger metro areas. Um, you know, we, we laugh in, uh, in, uh, in our county when when something happens in the law enforcement community and 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 now there's this big law enforcement narrative. We start getting media that calls us and asks, we want a list of all of your um, we want a public data request and we want to know um, all the uh, use of force complaints against all your deputies. Oh, God. And we just laugh because it's like we don't have we don't have one honest we don't have one deputy with a use of force complaint ever documented ever recorded we don't have any most greater most greater Minnesota agencies don't have those huh. you know they don't, you're going to get that in the bigger cities where um, there's a uh, the, the high crime area um, you know if you're working in North Minneapolis or or downtown um, you're going to be in a high crime area and you're going to get some complaints. Yeah. Um, not not necessarily legitimate, but you're going to have complaints that are that are uh, that are on your record. Well, in Greater Minnesota, don't have that. So, um, so different between sheriff's offices and police departments, um, which I'm 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 well, I'm glad about because I Scott, you know, I uh, wouldn't do well on the politics side. I have a great memory, and I can't remember it was the late '80s or early '90s. Donald Frazier was the mayor, and he was on the KQ Morning Show with me. I think it was the late '80s, if I remember correctly. Donald Frazier was on, and he brought on uh, Tony Boza, who was his new police chief. So do you know about when okay. that would have been, Scott? Was that late 80s, early 90s? Tony would have been late because he was before Locks. Yes. Like, well, he was either right before or right after Locks. So it's in that right around, right around that time period. So late 80s you're talking about. Yep. yep. And by the way, Locke and I have been friends for a million. He's a Minneapolis, North Minneapolis guy, too. But yep, it, yep. he is indeed, but I, uh, I think the world of that guy. But um, I had uh, the new police chief, Tony Bozon, with the mayor on the KQ Morning Show. And uh, I'm from North Minneapolis originally. And I said, what do you, uh, what do you guys intend to do with these, uh, the development of all these gangs in North Minneapolis? And Tony Boza said, and I quote, there are no gangs in Minneapolis. I said, oh you, you haven't been over to North Minneapolis, have you there, buddy? North <laughs> he, Minneapolis. Right. Exactly. Wow. Well, he had no idea, Scott. He had no idea there were gangs, unless he was lying. I suppose yeah, he could have been I lying. Think, I think he knew. He had to have known. He had to have known, he's, don't you think, he's Scott? He's trying to push whatever. It's push, he's pushing whatever narrative his, his uh, city council mayor is telling him to push. Yeah, that is very, very You know, it's all very political, especially when you get into something like, I mean, Minneapolis, it was bad in '92, but it that was nothing like it is right now. It's things are tough in Minneapolis. Oh right God, yes. And um, you know, if you look at all you got to do, if, if, if I don't know if you've ever looked at the uh, Minneapolis Shot Spotter website. Oh yeah, oh, man, it's crazy. <laughs> he's going. Yes, you have. That is frightening to look at that. Just shocking to me. And um, you know, you're gonna. I don't. You're gonna have to have a lot of leadership change in order to change that narrative and in order to bridge that gap and build, build trust back in those communities. Because one of the biggest challenges in, in, in trying to reestablish trust in communities like in Minneapolis is you don't have, because you're so, you're so low, your, your staffing is so minimal. Um, They're so understaffed for law enforcement. They don't have time to build any relationships with the community. They're going call to call. They get when they get there. They got they have stacked shooting calls that they're going to. They go call to call to call to call. Um, 
they don't have time to build, to do any community relationship building at all in those larger communities because of, because of being so understaffed. Um, and I don't know how you're going to change that now. Um, I mean, it's, it's going to take years to, to, uh, to really get things turned around there just because no, right now nobody wants to work there. No, no you don't have any cops that want to work there. Actually, you don't, there's a lot of cops that don't want to be in Minnesota, period. Um, yeah. Because of everything that's being done at the state level and all the reform stuff that's being done and uh, all the oversight now that they're doing with, with uh, law enforcement agencies on, on officer-related issues that were, were never, never had anything to do with the state before. Now they're getting involved in, in, in everything because that's, that's um, you know, it's following their, their, their political narrative. Scott, and, uh, you know, at some point it's got to turn. Next time around, you got to get in your squad and get up here and be in studio with us. We'll bring in uh, uh, Officer Dave, who's about eight feet tall and weighs about four hundred pounds of muscle. The guy's the biggest. Oh my god, I've ever. I would love to. Uh, you got to come up, Scott. We'd love to have you in studio. All right. Anytime. You just let me know. I would love to come up. Scott, we will reach out to you. Thank you so much for your time. And we love cops. You know that. We just. Man, I don't know what the people I think they're going to do without cops. I don't. What, how they think it's going to go, I'll never understand. But Scott Rose, thank you, sir. Have a good day. Yep. Thank you, guys. Take care. Bye. Okay, so Cassie sent me a Leslie Jordan clip that's supposed to be really good. It's not even a minute, and we got to. You already played it. It's a different one. Oh, it's, it's not the. It's random. not the. Okay, so do we want to hear it? Mm hmm. Okay. Let me see. Press. Press. How's that going? Press. So who's Leslie Jordan now? That did Who's not Leslie? load properly. Hey, not Leslie Jordan. Oh, Leslie Jordan, the actor. Yeah. The, yeah. I thought okay, you were talking about a cop. What is happening? Yeah, the, the uh, sample rate did not take. Oh, shoot. Cassie. Yeah, he sounds it's probably like your a, phone. It's my phone? Well, probably something happened in the you know translation oh, well, between mind. phones, technically. Oh, we can play it sounds like a Here, robot I'll try it on guy. my phone. I'll see what happens. Oh, there you go. Alex has got it. Okay. Stop I'm trying it. to stop it. Stop I'm trying. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna do this. Leslie Jordan has died at the age of 67, unfortunately. No, I always mm -hmm. loved him. I did too. So I thought he was funny. hilarious. Okay. There it is. Oh, okay, your phone. Even though it's an iPhone. It is your phone. Hang on. Alan Jordan reporting for duty. I just got a phone call from my best friend in the whole wide world, Ann Howells. We grew up together in Chattanooga. We were just scandalous. I was a scandal because I was openly gay at a very young age, and, and she was a scandal because she was the prettiest girl in my town. But see, she was real friendly with the boys. We're not going to call her a slut. No. She was real friendly. We went to a party one time, and she said to me, let's get out of here. I said, we just got here. She said, honey, I've slept with every man in this room. And so we had to get out of there. But another time, her mother, who did not like me, uh, see, Ann's daddy was the automotive editor of the hometown paper and taught her how to pull a car apart. So Ann was working on her car one time, and I'm just sitting there smoking a cigarette. And Ann's mother walked out and looked me up and down. She said, Ann, if you would find you a boyfriend who could fix your car instead of your hair, I think you'd be a lot better off. <laughs> Bitch! Bitch! I love Leslie Jordan. 67 is too young to be dying. But, yeah, he lost control of his BMW. They think he oh. might have had a heart incident. Oh. It ran right into a building and killed him. Oh, oh. God. Yeah, it's a terrible story. Terrible. It is a terrible story. That was one hell of a show today, I thought. Yikes. 
A little emotional, I would say. No. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.